Thank you guys so much for being here this morning. My name is Nick. I'm one of the pastors here at Holland Chapel and I can't thank you enough for choosing Holland Chapel as your place of worship this morning. It's so good to see you guys and I know several folks are watching online as well so we want to thank them also. It made me think that this past Wednesday we wrapped up our HCSM semester, and we started putting that online as well. I had a church member come up to me, or actually called me a couple weeks ago and said, hey, do y'all do that every week? We happened to tune in on Facebook last night and saw your student service, and I said, every Wednesday. And so, just so you know, it looks a lot like what we're doing this morning, only there's usually a messy game to start with down front, but, uh, but I would invite you to tune in in January to our online HCSM service on Wednesday nights. We have a lot of fun with our students, and your students are wonderful, and uh, we love worshiping with them, and we'd love for you to join us online sometime. But this morning, we are in week three of our Advent series. We have been reflecting on the birth of Christ as we are longing for his return, just like we were singing just a moment ago. We're ready for Jesus to come back. This week's reading plan and focus is on the wait for a Savior. And so this morning we're going to be talking about the wait for a Savior. Earlier on in our series we recognize the, the need for a Savior. We know that the need for a Savior is because of sin and, and the problem that we have with sin. The Bible says that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and therefore there's a need for a Savior. But God gave us the promise of a Savior to, to remedy that sin And throughout the Old Testament, as you saw hopefully this last week in the reading plan, there are promises of that Savior throughout the Old Testament. And I hope that you and your family enjoyed reading along to the reading plan. But after any promise comes the wait. And uh, so this morning we're talking about the wait. I went to Pastor Roger last week and I was just going on and on about his enthusiasm as he preached to us about the promise last week. And I said, man, you were so excited. That was awesome. You were, you were enthusiastic about that promise of a Savior. And he says, well, you'll, I'm sure you'll bring that same enthusiasm next week. And I said, Roger, I've got to talk about the wait. That's not near as enthusiastic and exciting as the promise. So, uh, but I will say this. We, we can't hardly talk about the wait without talking about what we've been promised. And so we're going to get into some promise too. And I think that you'll enjoy that. And I think you'll have reason to be excited this morning as we talk about the wait while we look for that promise to be fulfilled. The world would have to wait on the promised Messiah. Just like uh, throughout Scripture, we see folks that had to wait. Noah was told it would rain and he had to wait. Abraham was promised a son and he had to wait and wait, and wait. Um, David was told he would be king, and he too had to wait. And all of those promises came to pass. God's promises are true, and they always come to be. And when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, God's promise that went all the way back to the fall of man, to the very first couple of pages of your copy of God's Word, in the, in the garden was fulfilled. A Savior had come. The promise was fulfilled. And we know that baby Jesus, he grew into a man. He lived perfectly, obeying the will of his father all the way to the cross. And three days later, he rose from the dead, completing the work of salvation. And you would think there is the end of that story. But as Roger said last week, the work is done, the victory is won, but the promise has just begun. And so we have another promise to look forward to. Just as the believers of the Old Testament were longing for that Savior to be born, we have a promise as well to look forward to. That one day, that same Jesus is going to come 
back. And so we have another promise to put our hope in. And I'm going to share several passages of Scripture this morning that, that, that state that promise in different verses. And I hope that you'll get excited about these because they are definitely something to be joyful about. John 14, verse 3. Jesus himself speaking. He says, And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me that you also may be where I am. And just as the believers of old longed for that birth of the baby, Jesus the Messiah, we should have that same excitement as we read Jesus' words. Jesus said, I will come back and take you to be with me. We've been given a promise, and, and, and now we just wait. We have to wait. We're waiting to see Jesus just like those early believers. And so when I thought about the wait and how to present that this morning, I thought, well, let's combine a little bit of both. Let's look at some, some, some elements, some characters of the, the Christmas story. Let's see how they waited as they were waiting to see Jesus and see what uh, characteristics of their wait we could apply to our lives as we also wait. And quite uh, very easily, the first name that popped up as you think about the Christmas story and, and who had to wait is, of course, Mary. So Mary is the first person that I want us to look at real quick. And we're going to just kind of touch on a few of these um, folks in the Christmas story. And, and hopefully uh, one of these at least will apply to you and your life and your weight as you long for the Savior. Mary was given uh, a promise. She was waiting to see that original promise fulfilled, had no idea what her role would be in it. And then all of a sudden the angel Gabriel appeared gave her the news that her baby would be the Messiah. Her baby would change the world. And so now all of a sudden that promise takes on a, a different meaning as she's playing a prominent role. Mary realizes her role in this promise now. And we read in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 38. The last thing that Mary says is uh, her conversation with the angel. That's just funny to say, conversation with the angel takes place and Mary wraps up by saying this I am the Lord's servant may everything you have said about me come true I am the Lord's servant may everything that you have said about me come true then we read in scripture that she went to visit her cousin Elizabeth and after a visit with Elizabeth she writes a song of praise and we read just a few verses down in verse number 48 uh, Mary's uh, part of her song of praise here. I want us to notice this, uh, this, this, this sentence that she says and get a little bit of her attitude here. It says, For he took notice of me in verse 48. He took notice of this lowly servant girl. And from now on, all generations will call me blessed. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. Mary trusted the promise. She was given a promise, and she trusted that promise. And you might say, wait a minute, that sounds pretty prideful. She says, all generations are going to call me blessed. She was repeating what, um, what Elizabeth had told her. She's not being prideful. She's not taking credit for this. She's accepting her role in this promise. She's recognizing that it's going to happen. She said, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. There's not a doubt in her mind that this baby is going to change the world. She's believing that what God promised her would come true. Some of us need to trust that God's promises to us are true. Sometimes we forget or we 
We don't really believe that when he says he's going to provide, that he'll provide. Or he says he's going to comfort you or he's going to be with you and we, we feel lonely. Or maybe we don't realize or don't want to believe that God has a plan for us. We need to trust the promises of God. Notice Mary's response to the angel. She says, I am your servant. I tell this to students all the time. I think sometimes we try to claim God's promises without doing our part. We're like, God, I believe you, but I'm going to go on and do my thing. We, we say, God, I, I believe you and I, I trust your promise, but we're not where we're supposed to be. Some of us want to claim those promises without doing our part. We need to be serving the Lord. We need to be where we're supposed to be. We need to make wise decisions while we trust his promises. Mary said, I'm your servant, Lord. May it be as to me as you said it would. And she was going to do right what she was supposed to be doing. She was going to take one day at a time, one step at a time, and watch God's promise be fulfilled in her life. Here's another one that we can trust. Hebrews 9, 28. It says, He will come again, not to deal with our sins, but to bring salvation to all who are eagerly waiting for you. There it is again. He will come again. Believe that promise. Trust that promise. Let that promise fill us with hope and peace, knowing that this world is not our home. Paul, preaching in the New Testament, Paul said this. He said, we also believe that when Jesus returns, and he goes on to preach, there was not a doubt in his mind. He said, we believe that when Jesus returns, he trusted the promise. He didn't say, if Jesus returns, church, here's how we're going to react. If Jesus returns, this is what we're going to do. Paul said, when Jesus returns. Just as Mary trusted the promise, we need to trust that God's promises are true. No matter what it is that you're waiting on, the Bible's full of promises, not just about Jesus' second coming, but trust his promises. Romans 8, 25 says, But if we look forward to something we don't yet have, we must wait patiently and confidently. And confidently. Trust the promises. The shepherds they were faithfully doing their job. They were watching the sheep, and they were guarding the flocks. They uh, were probably about to call it a night, and then they were alarmed. In Luke 2, verse 10 and 11, the angel appears to them and says, Don't be afraid. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David. Now, some of you... Uh, much wiser than me, may already know this. May, this may not come as a surprise to you, but for some reason it just clicked in my mind uh, last week. I never really realized this, but the shepherds weren't sent to see baby Jesus. They were given a birth announcement. They, they were, it was announced to them that the baby was born, that the Savior was born. Uh, the angel didn't say, hey, go see this baby, go worship this baby. It was just a, it was just a birth announcement. He, he said, hey, what you've been waiting on has happened. And then the, the passage continues in verse 15. It says, when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, hey, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. They hurried to the village and found Mary and Joseph, and there was the baby lying in a manger. The shepherds were never commanded to go. They weren't told to go. The shepherds honored the promise. They recognized that something big was going on. That this might need to interrupt their life. This might need to change their plans. It affected their routine. We don't know if they gathered up all the sheep and, and, and took the sheep with them to the manger or they, uh, they corralled them somehow. But whatever happened, the shepherd's plans were altered. 
Their, their routine was changed up. Their life had been interrupted. Listen, church, knowing that Jesus is coming back ought to change our routine. It ought to change our plans. It ought to change the way we live. It should cause us to look and act differently. They stopped what they were doing. They realized, hey, guys, uh, something is more important going on here. What does your life look like while you wait? Does it look just like the rest of the world's? Does it look like everything that you want to do, everything that matters to you, all this stuff that you want to do? Has the gospel transformed your life as you wait? Some of us need to realize, and I said some of us, (laughs) need to realize that we're wasting too much time. We're wasting too much time. We've got a promise that we're looking forward to, eagerly waiting, and we need to honor that promise with our life. We need to put down what we're doing and move on to something that honors the promise. So while we wait, we're trusting, we're trusting in that promise, we're honoring the Lord while we wait. And then we're going to go to our third character here. Todd introduced us to Simeon and Anna in week one of our series. You know Simeon and Anna, they were in the temple, and they were older, wiser, they had been longing to see this baby, this Savior. Both were waiting in the temple, and Luke Chapter 2, verse 37, gives us a little bit of background about Anna. It says, Then she lived as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but stayed there day and night, worshiping God with fasting and prayer. The first thing I think about when I think about Anna is that this is a woman who had every reason to lose hope. She had every reason to give up. Her husband died after seven years of marriage, and in that day and age, that would have almost guaranteed her a life of poverty. She could have thrown in the towel. She could have said, my life's never going to amount to anything. She could have given up right there and then. Can you imagine waiting 60 years for a prayer to be answered? Maybe there's somebody in the room that has. We get anxious after a a week. We're like, God, I'm going to give you two days or three days to answer this prayer. Anna waited for 60 years. It said she never left the temple. She stayed there day and night, worshiping God, fasting and praying. For 60 years, she was waiting to see the Savior. The Bible tells us she not only waited, though, but she waited expectantly. She was was looking forward to it. She knew this was going to happen. I think like Mary, she was trusting the promise. And she definitely was honoring the promise with her life. But, But Anna, she was committed to the promise. Anna was committed day and night, 60 years. She wasn't letting up. Seeking Jesus, looking for Jesus, it's a, it's a daily commitment. You all know this verse, Luke 9, chapter, or verse 23. Jesus said to the crowd, If any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross daily, and follow me. It's a commitment. We can't just say, well, one day Jesus is coming back and put it on the shelf over there and just go on about our lives. We've got to decide each and every day that that promise is worth living for, that that promise is worth longing for, that that promise is worth waiting expectantly for. We're waiting, and we've got to wake up each and every morning and decide that what we're waiting on is worth it. Anna was committed to the promise. I think too often we give up. We, we let up, we lose focus, and, and maybe it's not for a lifetime, but I definitely think, and I'm in this camp as well, 
I definitely think some of us have, have wasted uh, sections or seasons of our life as we've kind of gotten our feelings hurt or, or something's happened in our life and, and maybe we've, we've not been committed for that month or that year or that season and then something pulls us back and we realize, oh, wow, that, what, what have I done? That is so worth living for. Jesus is so worth it. That promise is so worth it. But too often times we, we don't get noticed and we, we quit. Too often maybe someone hurts our feelings and we, we quit worshiping or finances get tight and we quit giving or God doesn't answer, or God's answers aren't our answers and so we quit trusting. I beg you, church, stay committed. Stay committed to the promise. Another verse tells us that promise, Revelation chapter 21 says, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. That's worth staying committed to. That's worth it. Sure, waiting's hard. Sometimes it seems like the promise is never going to happen. Ask Anna. 60 years. But it's worth it. Stay committed. While we wait, trust, honor, stay committed. And the last example I want us to draw from is a group of people that had waited for centuries. And we often associate them with the Christmas story, even though they actually would have arrived uh, a year or two maybe later. But their waiting had been passed down for generations after generation after generation. And we're talking about the wise men. The wise men, I, I love I love the story of the wise men. We actually covered some of that uh, Wednesday with our students. Matthew chapter 2 gives us a little clip of the wise men's story here in verse 1. It says, Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the reign of King Herod. About that time, some wise men from eastern lands arrived in Jerusalem asking, Where is the newborn king of the Jews? We saw his star as it rose, and we have come to worship him. I think sometimes the reason I like the wise men is because I used to love this show uh, called The A-Team. And uh, on the A-Team, they would always have a major problem, wouldn't they, Albert? There would be, something would be going on, and then Hannibal would come up with a plan, and then at the end, what would he say, Albert? I love it when a plan comes together. I love it when, and you're like, what in the world, Nick, where have you gone? We're talking about the wise men, and you're talking about the A-Team. Well, listen, here's the wise, the wise men are a great example of God's plan coming together. This whole plan had been set in motion centuries, generations earlier. The wise men, it was highly likely that they had learned of Jesus because of Daniel's influence. Now, Daniel would have been one of the, captive, one of the, one of the slaves that Babylon took into captivity. And then Daniel gets elevated to be the chief of the wise men. And so Daniel would have taught them of all these scriptures. Daniel would have made known to them the prophecy of Balaam. Balaam in Numbers 24 17 said this, I see him, but not here and now. I perceive him, perceive him, but far in the distant future. A star will rise from Jacob, a scepter will emerge from Israel. And these same wise men that show up on the scene to worship the baby Jesus, this story, this, this longing would have been passed down for centuries. And God's plan is unfolding. Even as his people are taken into captivity, God's plan is still unfolding. And here they, they roll onto the scene, and I just love it when a plan comes together. The wise men, 
They watched for the promise. They were ready. They didn't need a birth announcement. Notice that? They, they tell Herod, they said, where is this newborn king? We saw his star as it rose. An angel didn't go tell the wise men. They were watching. They were ready for this promise to be fulfilled. Imagine their anticipation as they would have passed this story down from one generation to the next and, and trained the next wise men group to come up, the next graduating class. And they're like, one day, one day this star is going to come out. One day. And imagine those guys who first saw it and they probably ran to get the other ones and then they looked in their books and they, they analyzed it and then they, they made this massive commitment to travel 800 miles because they were longing to see this star. I had the privilege of preaching a funeral, uh, I guess about two or three weeks ago now, and it was actually Holland Chapel's oldest church member, Miss Doris Van Pelt. She was 102 years old and uh, traveled to McCrory. Never been to McCrory, Arkansas before. It's even it's hard to say, but I, I went to McCrory and uh, preached for Miss Doris. And as we were talking about her life and her faithfulness to the Lord, I said to the, to the group there, I said, can you imagine... Every day, Miss Doris, she probably woke up and she said, Is today the day, Lord? Is today the day that I'm going to see you? Over and over again, every day, she probably sat over there at Alcoa Pines and she wondered, Is today the day that I'm going to get to see my Savior? Anticipation. She was ready. Waiting comes either in the form of anticipation or anxiety. Pastor Roger told me that nugget this week. It's either anticipation or it's anxiety. I've, I've experienced both. I bet you have as well. You've probably had promises that you were very anxious and, and anticipating, or, uh, or you probably had uh, promises that you were kind of worried about, right? And I don't know if I'm ready for that day to come. Lately, my wife, she's experienced uh, kind of both at the same time. We've got some home, home repair projects, and I promised, them that they're gonna, promised her they're going to get done. And so she's anticipating, you know, some things getting fixed around the house, but she's anxious that I'm going to make it worse as I'm working on it. So sometimes they, sometimes they go hand in hand, but generally speaking, a, a promise you're either anticipating or you're anxious about. This is a promise to look forward to. It's a promise to be ready for. Revelation 22, 20, it says, He who is the faithful witness to all these things says, Yes, I am coming soon. Yes, I am coming soon. That's something to be anticipating. That's something to be trusting, honoring, being committed to, and being prepared for. Mary, shepherds, Anna, the wise men, they all saw Jesus. They all saw the promise that they were given fulfilled. All of his other promises will be too. All those promises that we read this morning, they're going to be fulfilled. He says, I'm coming soon and he will. So how are we going to wait? Hopefully we're going to wait trusting those promises. Hopefully we're going to wait letting them change our lives and the way we live and we're going to honor those promises. Hopefully uh, we will be watching for those promises. We're going to be ready. You say, are we supposed to just be staring at the sky all the time like the wise men were looking for that star? No. Watching as in being prepared. Throughout the New Testament, Jesus teaches in the form of parables. And in many of his parables, he taught about being ready 
being prepared for his second coming. Luke chapter 12, this is the last verse we'll read this morning. Verse 40, Jesus said, You also must be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. Be ready. Keep watching. How do, how do I get ready, Nick? What do I do? When I need to get my things in order, what, what, how, do, how can I know that I'm ready? What you need to know is that this baby Jesus that we've been celebrating these last three weeks and hopefully celebrating every day of our lives, uh, he was born to die. He was sent here by God to die in our place for our sins so that we can be saved. You want to be ready? You need to understand that God's plan for you begins with you accepting that gift. Recognize that, uh, that you've sinned. And that sin is a, is a problem. That sin separates you from God. And we cannot possibly pay for our sins. We all have uh, sins and, and we can't pay for them. Those sins required a perfect sacrifice. And that's why this baby was born to die. Because he lived perfectly. And he died in my place and in your place. And for my sins and for your sins. And if we place our faith and trust in Him, believe that this Bible is true, believe that these promises are true, believe that He is who He said He was, and then confess that with our mouth, believing that He is our Lord and Savior, then you can be ready. Jesus said, be ready all the time. Somebody may be sitting in this room and think, I'm going to finish out this year, and then I'll make that decision i got this other thing going on in my life right now. I'm not really ready to commit to the promise just yet. Jesus says, be ready all the time, for the Son of Man will come when least expected. I want to invite you, church, to respond this morning. There are three ways that we can respond here at Holland Chapel. You can respond in person. We would love to talk with you. I personally would love to. There will be some people in the Connect Corner in just a few moments. They would love to talk with you about how Jesus Christ can change your life. They'd love to answer any questions you have about following Jesus, about being committed to that promise. You can also respond online by filling out that online Connect card or or here you can drop in that Connect card in the offering box. Let us know how we can connect with you and your family, how we can serve you and your family. Take that next step in following Jesus. But church, this morning you can also take action. Ask yourself, what does my life look like while I'm waiting? We're all in the same boat. We're all waiting for that promise. What does my life look like while I'm waiting? Maybe I'm trusting, but maybe my life's not honoring that promise. Maybe, maybe, maybe I want to honor it, but I just have such a hard time staying committed. Maybe I'm in and out. Maybe I'm back and forth. Take action this week. Let's wait well. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for the privilege to speak your word this morning. Thank you for these incredible promises. Thank you for lives like Miss Doris that waited so well. And we pray that uh, if there's a person in this room this morning that does not know you as their Savior, that they would make that decision even this morning. Lord, I pray for everyone else in the room that we would look at our lives and, and just, just ask ourselves how well we're waiting. What is it that we need to adjust about our lives so that the world around us can see you in us? Thank you, Lord, for the promise. Thank you for Jesus, and it's in his name that I pray. Amen.